Welcome everyone to The Lighthouse, a podcast series dedicated to providing advanced financial planning, wellness insights to the clients and families we serve. My name is Jack Butler, and I'm a financial advisor with the Hatteras Wealth Management Group at UBS, located at 6100 Fairview Road office in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're glad to welcome our guest, Chris Adrian, to our show today. Chris is an executive director and 529 specialist at JP Morgan Asset Management. As a 529 specialist, she travels throughout the country to educate clients and advisors alike on college planning using JP Morgan's College Planning Essentials Guide. When she's not traveling, she resides in Columbus, Ohio. So, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Jack. Well, we're glad to have you. And I guess where we should probably first start off, Chris, is by talking about the high level overview of a 529 plan and the benefits, features a 529 plan can have for students and providing for education funding, whether it's K through 12 or college. So can you just start off by giving us a high-level overview of not only your role at J.P. Morgan and what you do to help clients and advisors, but also just 529 plans in general? Yeah, absolutely. Again, thanks for having me. I am the National 529 Specialist for J.P. Morgan. This is my eighth year of working with our 529 team. And it's actually my 19th year with J.P. Morgan, which makes me feel a little bit old. But a 529, to get back to your original question, Jack, It was created back in 1996 by the federal government as a premier way for families to save and invest for college. And they've got some pretty amazing tax advantages. I think of a 529 very much like a Roth IRA, where it's after-tax dollars that get invested into the plan. It grows tax-deferred. And as long as the money is used for a qualified education expense in the future, all of the earnings in the account come out tax-free. And as you mentioned, Jack, they're actually pretty flexible now. The federal government keeps adding more flexibility, which is wonderful. So they cover everything from room and board, tuition, fees, books and supplies, special needs services, and then equipment like laptops, printers, ink. But even more flexible than that, you can now use a 529 for K through 12 tuition, up to 10,000 per child per year. You can use them if you have any old student loan debt that you wanna pay off, and that's up to 10 grand over the life of the account. You can use them for vocational school, tech school, international schools. You can now use them for apprenticeships. And then brand new, hot off the press, which we'll get to later, you can also roll over into a Roth IRA. So. Hopefully that wasn't too much about 529s, but in a nutshell, some really great tax advantages. What should be some of the considerations for either new parents or grandparents when it comes to saving within a 529 plan? My kids are three and one. And if you look out at projections for how much college is going to cost in 15, 20 years from now, it's staggering. So where do you even start and what are some general guidelines around savings within a 529 plan? So the first thing to consider, and especially Jack, because you have young kids, definitely want to consider what your number might look like in the future. So for a newborn born today, for example, four years of in-state public school will be roughly 225,000. And four years of private school, which is a little bit daunting, will be 556,000 18 years from now. And that's because tuition inflation is the fastest growing household expense in the country. So all of us worry about inflation, We worry about the cost of goods and services going up over the last year and a half. But for tuition, inflation has actually been really daunting over the last four decades. So the first thing to keep in mind is what could your future number look like for your family? For my own two kids, 
It's roughly 300,000 for in-state public school and double that, almost 600,000 if both of my kids go to private school. Those numbers are daunting to me. I've been in business over 20 years, but really important for us to understand what that number might look like and what percentage of that do we want to cover. And then other things to consider would be things like, does that 529 have an in-state tax benefit? So certain states throughout the country, depending on where you might live, actually have a pretty attractive state tax deduction. Jack, I know you're in North Carolina. In North Carolina, you're actually a tax neutral state, which means there is no state tax deduction. But the good news is you've got some amazing federal benefits where no matter where the child goes across the country, all of those earnings come out tax-free. So again, first thing to consider, what might your number look like in the future? And fortunately, Jack and his team can help you determine that. What is your goal? How much of that do you want to cover? And then which 529 plan to consider really depends on where you live within the country, which investment manager you'd like to choose to manage that money for your family. And again, the great news is Jack and his team can help you figure that part out. So what would you say to someone who feel like it may be too late to start saving with a 529 plan? So you mentioned your kids are 15, 11, say you hadn't saved anything and your kids are already in high school or even, you know, kind of later stage of middle school. What would be some other strategies for saving for college or, or would a 529 plan still be applicable in those cases? I always say it's never too late to invest in a 529 plan, even when your kid's in high school. And that's because a dollar invested in the 529 has a better shot of growing over that time horizon that you need before your child goes off to college versus taking out a loan in the future. And unfortunately, federal loans are pretty expensive now today at almost 4% for an undergrad student loan. So never too late to get invested for college. And the other good news is if perhaps your child might get a scholarship or you don't need all of that balance, you now have the ability to have it for retirement in the future for your child or for use with future generations. You can use it as a legacy account as well. So again, never too late to start investing for college. To that last point, let's say as an example, saving into a 529 plan for years and the child ends up not going to college or has a scholarship, what would those options be at that point? They talked about changing beneficiaries and whatnot, but could you just expand that a little bit in terms of what you can do for any unused 529 funds? So the good news is, to your point, Jack, you can change the beneficiary on a 529 up to first cousin. So if I have a leftover balance for my son, Joe, I'm just going to simply pass that balance down to his baby sister, Kate, and that's a tax-free event. I could do that up to my nieces and nephews. I could also name myself as the beneficiary. So I have a few families where mom or dad want to go back to school for themselves, and they can simply change the beneficiary to their own name. Some grandma and grandpas have actually set these up as legacy accounts. They want to use this for future generations. They may not even have grandkids yet, but they're starting to open 529s to use as an educational savings for future generations, especially because of that really high cost of college. The good news is it completely removes it from grandma and grandpa's estate, and it can continue to perpetuity. You never have to pull that money out. So that's pretty interesting. You can pull the money out if you have to. Unfortunately, there's a 10% penalty if you use it for a non-qualified reason, and that's just on the earnings component. 
You also pay federal and state taxes, but again, just on the earnings component. So last resort, if you had to, you could pull the money out, but there is penalty and taxes associated with that. You mentioned the uh, state planning purposes. So say if you have grandkids or maybe grandkids are on the horizon, just looking to get money out of your estate. Could you just expand on how you can use a 529 plan to reduce your, your taxable estate? Absolutely. So it's a little known benefit, only exists within a 529 plan, and it's called the accelerated gift. And that's where you can take this year's annual gift limit. This year, for those of you that might not know, you can gift up to 17000 per child, and that's gift tax-free. If you're married, you can double that. You can gift up to 34000 gift tax-free. Within a 529, you can do an accelerated gift where you multiply those numbers by five. So an individual tax filer this year can actually gift a big lump sum up to 85 grand. And if you're married filing jointly, you can gift up to 170,000 per child or grandchild, and that's gift tax-free. Now you can't gift again for another five years, but some families will do it again in year six where they'll put down another 170. So for those families that have the means or they have larger estates where they might be worried about estate taxes in the future, it's a really great way to carve it out and then have all of those earnings grow tax deferred to perpetuity. So that's typically where we see them used. The other thing is with the staggering costs of college, especially for a newborn, it's just a really great way to chip away at those big college costs. Talk about the SECURE Act, the 2.0 version that just came out a few months ago. And you mentioned it earlier with the Roth component, how 529 plans were impacted as a result of that. But if you could just tell us a little bit more about the SECURE Act 2.0 and how it relates to college planning within a 529 plan, I think that would be beneficial. So SECURE 2.0 passed December 29th. It was signed into law. And the good news is they made 529 plans even more flexible. So if you do have a leftover balance in a 529 after your child goes off to college or grad school, et cetera, you can now roll over additional balance up to 35000 from the 529 into a new Roth IRA. And you can do that for the benefit of your child or whomever is the named beneficiary on the account. Now, there are some guardrails around that. You can only roll over up to the Roth IRA limit for that calendar year. and it doesn't start until next year, until year 2024. You have to have the 529 open for 15 years or longer to have it be eligible to roll over. But especially for those families that are worried if their child might not go off to college, what am I going to do with this balance? You now have the ability to roll up to 35 grand over the life of the 529, as long as you have held the 529 15 years or longer. So again, very, very cool, flexible approach with 529s. Some clients want to have their children to have some, quote, skin in the game. Can you, in your experience, talk about the realities of graduating with student debt? I know this can be subjective, right? Other yeah. different clients will have different goals for this. But what has been your experience in seeing the dynamic of kids taking out student loans and whether or not that leads to better educational and financial outcomes for students? Great question. We actually have a lot of families that say they know their child. They know that their child should probably have some skin in the game to actually attend class and take it very seriously. So it really just depends on the student. 
in how you feel about your own child's abilities. But the first thing to consider is that most families across the country are eligible for what are called unsubsidized Stafford loans. And unsubsidized just means that the interest starts accruing day one that you take that loan out. So you definitely want to consider you should use the 529 plan first. You should use any liquidity that your family might have second. And then third, you could consider student loans if you have to, or especially if you feel like your student should have skin in the game. So again, most families are eligible for what are called unsubsidized Stafford loans. The interest rate is about 4% for an undergrad. And you'd want to consider how much is going to be okay for your student to pay back after they graduate. And with that interest rate, the good news is Jack and his team can figure out how much that monthly payment is going to be after graduation. So I think, again, it just depends on the family and whether or not your student is going to be super serious about their college studies or if they should have skin in the game. We had a previous conversation that a lot of previous generations were able to pay for some, if not most, if not all of their college tuition through a part-time job. And to your point about where things are currently and where they're going, I mean, I'm not sure what kind of part-time job a uh, 19-year-old can get that pays a couple hundred thousand a year to, to offset tuition. So yeah, finding that balancing act for a lot of families is, is very important. Exactly. Um, yeah. So so what about when you have a 529 plan, you've been saving and investing for college, and we're getting in an environment like we had in 2022, where markets are very volatile, should clients reconsider their investment strategy as they're on the doorstep to approaching college? What's been your experience and what's JP Morgan's view on how to tweak their allocation as, as you get closer and closer to that college date? Yeah, great question. And especially with the volatility, even this year, we've had a lot of families concerned about their nest egg for college. And the good news is that most 529 plans have a glide path. It's a lot like a retirement accounts glide path where it gets very, very conservative as the child approaches college. Mostly it's going to be in bonds, money market, or some kind of cash alternative. Now, last year, unfortunately, bonds didn't help weather the storm either. Bonds were down and equities were down. So last year was actually an anomaly that we haven't seen in decades, but the good news is that in a normal environment, that very, very conservative portfolio should help weather that market volatility, especially if it's very well diversified and has a lot of different securities that move inversely to market selling off. The other thing that some families can consider is a money market alternative or a stable value type product where you're going to achieve some type of interest rate. And it's actually going to help preserve that principle. If you are nervous about it, obviously, you could talk with Jack and his team about what might be best suited for, the, for your family. But in general, a very conservative portfolio and especially something like a mar money market alternative or money market could be the attractive vehicle when markets are selling up. Could you touch on in a little more detail just the whole community college dynamic? And yeah. I know that's becoming increasingly popular topic. So does that fall under the umbrella of qualified expenses for a 529 plan? And then just kind of expand upon that list again as a reminder for listeners as to like what a 529 plan can actually be used for. You, you mentioned it earlier, but I think a recap would be helpful. 
qualified education expenses. Fortunately, they do incorporate community college, which is wonderful. They also incorporate tuition, room and board, books and supplies, special needs services if your child might need a special tutor, and then equipment, which is things like laptops, printers, ink, et cetera. You can also use it for K through 12, up to 10 grand per child, apprenticeships, vocational schools, trade schools, the list keeps growing. And then we talked earlier about how you can then convert them into a Roth IRA in the future if you have to as well. But getting back to your original question, Jack, yeah, community colleges are definitely part of that qualified list. As long as the school or university is listed on the FAFSA website. So FAFSA, which is the free application for federal student aid, so FAFSA for short, is a great resource to go. And they actually have what's called a school code search, where you can check to see if that school is accredited. But as long as it is, it's going to be considered qualified for the 529. Now, some families have started to consider community college because it does decrease their expenses by over 30% in a lot of cases. And that's because your student typically lives at home, doesn't usually have a room and board factor, which is a huge savings. And then additionally, the tuition cost is about 30% less than a traditional university or college. So what some families have considered is, especially if their student isn't quite sure what they wanna do for a major or for the rest of their lives, they'll send them to community college for two years and then either transfer to the university or college that they wanted to go to originally. And that, again, really helps reduce expenses over time. Now, there are some drawbacks to that. Usually, the family sends their child off to school to have that college experience. It really teaches your student how to be an adult and how to care for themselves, how to do laundry, how to cook for themselves. I remember I ate rice and potatoes because I didn't know how to cook. But we also had really bad dorm food that I could go to. So again, there are some drawbacks, right? There isn't that experience. You're not networking and developing that group of friends that you might have for the rest of your life. But for those families that need to save on expenses, it's a really great way to do that. Just one last question out of curiosity. I know you said that 529 plans were created in 1996. Is that correct? Yes. So over the years, has there been an increasing level of adoption of 529 plans? And has it just continued to become more and more adopted in usage or has it declined recently? Because the reason I'm asking is that, you know, again, we're looking out 15, 20 years. It just seems like the costs are just so astronomical that I can see where a lot of families just kind of wonder, why even bother? I mean, it's not going to be doable regardless, no matter how much you try and save. So just out of curiosity is, the adoption of them still being used on a national level, or has that in any way been impacted recently? Yeah. So the good news is 529 plans have been gaining in popularity. And over the last year, we've actually seen a huge uptick in adoption because they've become more flexible for families, especially for K through 12. If you might be sending your kid to private school where you've got those tax benefits as well. So there are you typically two 529 plans in every state across the country. There's one direct plan and one advisor sold plan. And it just depends on where you might live. But in general, there's two plans per state. There's actually over 90 
different plans across the country that people can pick from. So since 1996, they've definitely grown. And what we've also seen is that a lot of families, to your point, are nervous about the cost of college. And so they are just starting to put in $25 a month or however much they can invest. The good news is it's a really small dollar amount that's typically the minimum investment. But again, a dollar invested today is a dollar you're not going to have to borrow in the future from the government. So that's always a great thing too, is just to have that nest egg and give you that peace of mind when your child or grandchild goes off to school. Yeah, JP Morgan has some great intellectual capital around that. And even though the amounts are staggering 15, 20 years from now of what college could cost, I mean, just saving a little bit per month, those different breakpoints can certainly have a big impact longer term. And that's really what we're here to do to help clients with is to not only help them articulate what those goals are, but then also use the research of your team, JP Morgan, to kind of show what those amounts would be on a monthly basis to get them to where they want to be, I think is what this is all about. Lastly, uh, you talked about all the different options out there. Clients, depending on what state they live in, also have those prepaid tuition planned as well. Last question just has to do around your general thoughts about that and whether or not that's a good route to go as well. Just your two cents and that would be appreciated. Prepaid 529 plans are well few and far between, unfortunately, but there are a few states that still have them. Florida is a big one. For example, Washington state is a second one. And prepaid 529 plans are just like a 529, except that they lock in your tuition units. So in other words, earlier we had talked about tuition inflation and how it typically grows at about 6% each year. The good news is a prepaid 529, if your state does have one available to you, helps lock in that tuition inflation figure. And so you're actually buying a unit of tuition at a discounted rate. When your child goes off to college in that home state is typically how they've structured them. You can actually have that tuition inflation no longer apply because they've locked you in at that lower rate. Some families pay a big lump sum to buy a number of tuition units, and they don't have to worry about that tuition inflation factor. It really depends because they are structured where they're best suited if you're going to stay in that home state for Florida, for example. And typically, they're not flexible where you could go anywhere in the country. It really needs to be weighed by the family to determine whether it's a great investment or if just a traditional 529 plan that can be used anywhere across the country or internationally should be utilized instead. Hopefully that helps, Jack, but in general, that's it, that's how I think it, about it, prepaid. It's very helpful and everything you shared with us has been very helpful. And I just want to do a recap to the audience that if you have any questions about what Chris had discussed, feel free to reach out to John or myself, and we'll be happy to relay those questions to Chris and her team. But Chris, thank you so much for your time, for joining us on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. This is my, my favorite topic. Disclaimer, the information contained in this article is not a solicitation to purchase or sell investments. Any information presented in general in nature and not intended to provide individually tailored investment advice. Investing involves risks, and there is always a potential of losing money when you invest. The views expressed are those of the speakers and may not necessarily reflect the views of UBS Financial Services, Inc. 
Neither UBS Financial Services, Inc., nor its employees, including its financial advisors, provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your legal counsel and or your accountant or tax professional regarding the legal or tax implications of a particular suggestion, strategy, or investment, including any estate planning strategies before you invest or implement. 529 plans are sold within program descriptions that contain details of the risks, fees, and charges associated with the particular investment, which you should read carefully before investing. Even though individuals are not required to invest in their state plan, some states do provide tax or other advantages exclusively to residents who invest in their own state's plans. For example, many states offer a state income tax deduction for contributions and or state income tax exemption for qualified withdrawals. States may impose state tax liability on withdrawals and or earnings from out-of-state 529 plans. In addition, some states offer prepaid tuition plans. Investors should be aware that the markets have risk and the value of their investments may change from day to day. Therefore, an investment returns and principal value will fluctuate so that investors' shares, when redeemed or sold, may be worth more or less than their original cost. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in this capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, different material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business, that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the client relationship summary provided at ubs.com slash relationship summary or ask for UBS Financial Advisor for a copy. J.P. Morgan and UBS Financial Services, Inc. are not affiliated. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA, member SIPC.